Welcome to the preaching ministry of Dr. Albert Chambers, founder and senior minister of the internationally known ministry of World Vision for Christ. I trust you'll be blessed and challenged as you listen to this message. We are at Thursday, and I want to talk about attitude again. Very briefly, I cannot go back over all the meetings, but very briefly, let me say that on Monday, we thought about the attitude of the heart toward God. How that a right attitude brings the blessing of God into our lives and a wrong attitude forces God in spite of the fact that he loves us forces him to withhold the good that he would want to do to us. To put it in scriptural language God resisteth the proud and he is far from them who are of a haughty countenance. We have looked at the scripture God is no respecter of persons. And I have said God is a respecter of persons. But most people don't believe that he is a respecter of persons. Because we quote the scripture in part. Let me read to you from the Word of God. A man by the name of Cornelius is talking to Peter. And he is telling Peter, so many days ago I was fasting until this hour. And at the ninth hour I prayed in my house, and behold, a man stood before me in bright clothing and said, Cornelius, thy prayer is heard, and thine arms are had in remembrance in the sight of God. Send therefore to Joppa and call hither Simon, whose surname is Peter. He is lodged in the house of one Simon, a tanner, by the seaside, who, when he cometh, shall speak unto thee. Immediately, therefore, I sent to thee, and thou hast well done that thou art come. Now, therefore, are we all here present before God to hear all things that are commanded thee of God? Then Peter opened his mouth and said, 
of a truth, I perceive that God is no respecter of persons. But he has qualification for it. It is not a full stop there. It is a colon. You can stop and then look at the next part of it. But in every nation, he that feareth him and worketh righteousness is accepted with him. So it is in accurate to say God is no respecter of persons, full stop. God respects them who respect him. Well, I mean, that's what the word of God says. God says, them that honor me, I will honor. So you see, God does respect people. He respected Cornelius because Cornelius prayed and did his alms before God. And therefore he was remembered in the sight of God. No matter how much evil was going on in other places, and no matter how much wrong was being done by other people, God honored Cornelius. God respected Cornelius above the others because of his attitude before God. You read in Chronicles 4, I think, about 10, about a man called Jabez. And the word of God simply says, Jabez was more honorable than his brethren. His mother called him Jabez, saying, I bore him with sorrow. But Jabez called upon the God of Israel, saying, Oh, that thou wouldst bless me indeed, and enlarge my coast, and that your hand might be with me, and that you will keep me from evil, that it may not grieve me. And then God wrote the benediction over his life. God filled in the last pages of his success story, the word of God says, God granted him that which he requested. So out of all his brethren round about him, he was more honorable. And he got something more from God than they got. Because his attitude and his approach to God brought the power of God into his life. You and I may have the power of God in our lives if we approach God the right way.
It is not to say that our good works only open the door for us, but our attitude to God makes it possible for God with perfect justification to impart to us the righteousness of Christ and make us acceptable in the Beloved. Hallelujah. When the Word of God says that he is no respecter of persons, it doesn't mean that he just deals with everybody the same way. He gives every man opportunity. Some don't take that opportunity. But all who redeem the time and take the opportunity, they get something more from God than their brethren round about them. To go back again, why have we to look at the life of John Wesley? Why have we to look at the life of Charles G. Finney? Why have we to look at the lives of men like Whitfield? Simply because these men adopted an attitude toward God that allowed God to give them the power and anointing of the Holy Ghost to storm the gates of hell and to pull down the strongholds of the devil and deliver multitudes from the slave camps of the devil. I could take too long on this. We are told in the word of God there were five porches at a certain place where a great multitude of sick folk were found. But Jesus went to one man who was there for 30 and 8 years and selected him out of all of them. Why? Because the man was ready to get what God wanted to give him. God wanted to give the others something as well. But they weren't ready to receive it. And so the man who had been bound for 30 and 8 years was healed by the power of God because his heart came to a place with God's purpose and in the program of God, Jesus Christ commanded him to rise up and walk and he walked made perfectly whole by the power of God. I personally have seen many people healed at all stages of the meetings. Healed at the singing of the first hymn. Healed quarter way and halfway and three quarter way and at the end of the meeting and after the meeting. I've seen people have their needs met in salvation and healing and deliverance. You see... God himself says that he held out his hands all the day long to a people, offering them blessing, and they wouldn't take it. And you know as well as I do, but I've got to remind you that Jesus spoke over Jerusalem, saying, Oh, Jerusalem, Jerusalem that stoned the prophets, how oft would I have gathered thee? When God sent his prophets, he wanted to gather Jerusalem. How oft would I have gathered thee as a hen doth gather her chicks? But ye would not. You see, they weren't ready to receive. 
And God won't force his blessing upon you. It means something for God to cover us with his wings as a hen covers her chicks. I remember reading the story of a fire that spread through a place. And when the fire was put out and they were walking over the land, there was a charred lump sitting on the ground. And someone went over and turned it over. It was a hen. And when they turned the hen over, the little chicks ran out. Chirp, 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 chirp. Because Mama Hen had given her life to protect her chicks. But even though God, in his love and in his mercy, wants to bless us, too often we don't allow him to bless us. Because even though he loves us, even though he wants to help us, even though he wants to meet our needs, still he has pledged himself to resist the proud, to turn away from the haughty. And therefore, much as he would love to bless you because of your proud Haughty heart. He cannot do it. But thank God he has pledged himself to fill the humble. For he says he filleth the humble with good things. Amen. Think of it for a moment. The mountains shake the water off them. But the valleys are filled. Does that not tell us that every high and lofty thing shall be brought low? But every valley shall be exalted. Hallelujah. My religion thrills me and fills me. And gives me a zeal to speak the truth without sermonizing, but to speak the truth in love, knowing that the truth makes men free. Hallelujah. Amen. So, I suppose I should give you another verse. Second Chronicles 16.9 tells us, The eyes of the Lord go to and fro throughout the whole earth to show himself strong in the behalf of everybody. No, sir. To show himself strong on the behalf of those people whose hearts are perfect toward him. Hallelujah. The Bible doesn't tell us that everybody will do exploits. It says they that know their God shall be strong and do exploits in his name. So, attitude is absolutely everything. We looked at attitude toward God. We looked at attitude toward man. 
We did our best to have a look at the the centurion who came to Jesus in the behalf of his servant. Now, I feel the children of God need to be fed this evening. And somebody might say, well, what about the poor sinner? Well, the poor sinner is hearing enough now to know that the Christian has got something more than the non-Christian has got. We have got joy unspeakable and full of glory. The real child of God has got peace that passeth understanding. The genuine child of the kingdom has got power that is above all the power of the enemy. The real genuine child of God is translated out of the kingdom of darkness and into the kingdom of God's dear Son. The genuine child of God has got the Spirit in his heart whereby he cries, Our Father. Hallelujah. Amen. So, if you don't feel genuinely know from the Word of God and the witness of the Spirit that God is your Father and that Jesus is your brother, the firstborn of many brethren, and the Holy Spirit is your guide, then you haven't got what I have got. And you need it. So, looking at Matthew chapter 8, thinking again about the poor sinner and feeding the sinner. When the Seraphonician woman came to Jesus, seeking healing for her daughter who had an evil spirit, Jesus said, it is not good to give the children's bread to dogs. And she said, true, Lord, nevertheless the dogs eat of the crumbs that fall from the master's table. Jesus said, for that saying, go your way, the devil is gone out of your daughter. I want to say tonight, if you are not on intimate terms with the Lord Jesus Christ, there is a table spread here this evening for the children of God. And if you can even get a crumb from this table, it'll meet your need. Praise the Lord. Well, I don't know what that makes you feel like, but that makes me feel like giving the Lord a good clap offering. <laughs> yeah. Amen. So, when Jesus was entered into Capernaum, Matthew 8, verse 5, there came unto him a centurion beseeching him and saying, Lord, my servant lieth at home sick of the palsy, grievously tormented. And Jesus saith unto him, I will come and heal him. Then over in John 4, verse 46, halfway through the verse we read, And there was a certain nobleman whose son was sick at Capernaum. When he heard that Jesus was come out of Judea into Galilee, 
he went unto him and besought him that he would come down and heal his son, for he was at the point of death. Now, look at that. The nobleman besought Jesus in the behalf of his son who was at the point of death and said, Come down and lay your hand on my son. Come down and heal my boy. He is at the point of death. But Jesus did not say, I will come and heal him. He said, except ye see signs and wonders, ye will not believe. And yet when the centurion came and said, my servant is sick, Jesus said, I will come and heal him. You see, one he spoke to saying, I will come with you and heal your servant. The other one he spoke to saying, I'm not going to lay my hands on your son. Except you see signs and wonders, you won't believe. He showed a difference between the two people. Do you know we have brought disgrace on the healing ministry by praying for everybody who comes along. I know evangelists and they just pray for everyone who comes. And they lay their hands on them. Not everyone is healed. Not everyone was healed when Jesus ministered. The only people who were delivered were those people who touched him in, in faith. You read that when he went into Galilee, he did not many miracles there. Not because he had changed. But he did not many miracles there because of their unbelief. He was still the deliverer, but he couldn't deliver because they didn't believe. But there are other times we read that they had brought unto him all that were sick and possessed with devils, and he healed them. And as many as touched him were made perfectly whole of whatsoever disease they had. But lo, behold, there is a great company around the Lord, and the people are pressing him. And in the midst of it, he says, Who touched me? And the well-learned disciple said, Master, what a question you ask. Who touched you? The people are thronging you. Everyone is touching you. Jesus said, uh-uh, somebody touched me, for virtue has gone out of me. You see, people were touching him, but they weren't touching him with the touch of faith. The woman who had the issue of blood in the midst of all that multitude, when she touched him in faith, she got power. So you see, not everyone in the meeting touches the Lord. So the centurion came unto him, beseeching him. Now that is earnestly asking, not in a disconnected, careless, indifferent way, but beseeching him. I want to say this 
In order to receive from God, we need to adopt the right attitude toward God. This is a truth that is becoming more and more real to me day by day. It is the answer to many, many questions. It is the answer to why one man has the anointing of the Holy Spirit on his ministry and the other one has only the anointing of his head. What do you mean? I mean one depends on intellectual knowledge and the other one depends on the power of the Holy Spirit. The Apostle Paul, who was a giant in intellect, a man of many languages, a Pharisee among the Pharisees, a man who was taught by that Gamaliel who said, if this thing is of God, it'll stand, and if it's not of God, it'll fall. That very Gamaliel who stood out amongst his Pharisaical brethren uh, taught the Apostle Paul. Paul learned with him and from him. And Paul was a man of giant intellect. But when he came preaching the gospel, he said, I didn't come unto you with enticing words of man's wisdom, but in the power and demonstration of the Spirit. Paul somehow got into a state where he got the anointing of the Holy Spirit. I have read the writings of men who have tried to explain what the anointing is or how you get the anointing or how one has it and one hasn't. And the nearest they can come to explaining why a preacher gets the anointing of the Holy Spirit upon him, the nearest they can come to it is saying that his heavenly disposition enables God to anoint him with the Holy Ghost and power. Because God won't give us the power of God just to shine and look good. You know, God won't give you the Holy Spirit in, in uh, any great measure in your life just for you to look better than somebody else. Jesus said you shall receive power after that the Holy Ghost has come upon you and you shall be my witnesses. If you're prepared to love God and love people and lay your life down in laboring for mankind's benefit and the perfection of the church of the Lord Jesus Christ, then God will give you the power of God. Amen. He said he'll give the Holy Spirit to them that ask him. Thank you. Thank you for listening to this message. I trust you've been blessed. For a list of other messages by Dr. Chambers, please visit the World Vision for Christ website. Here is the address, www.wvfc.co.uk. That's www.wvfc.co.uk. We look forward to hearing from you soon. Goodbye for now, and may God richly bless you as you apply his word to your life.